Welcome to the Gathering at Adel's Sermon of the Week. This message is by Pastor Jeff Hopkins. As you listen, we pray that you will be encouraged, empowered, and enriched. Thank you. God bless. You know, it's, uh, it's great to be here with you guys. It's also a little intimidating. Uh, you guys have all heard so many sermons about this subject. It's something that's preached a lot, and it's like, man, how do you take something that's been done so many times so well by so many different people and then be able to convey it to an audience who's heard it several times, uh, who have preached it several times, you know? And so we'll just try. We're going to see what we can do. All right. You know, I think uh, I started the service off with this this morning, and uh, I, I think it's crucial because sometimes the, the Christmas story is told in such a way that it becomes like a fairy tale, like, like it's this magical thing that just happened. We, we read the story, you, you hear the stories from your family, it's like there was a, a girl named Mary, and the Holy Spirit came upon her. And we sing songs, she was round yon virgin. How many pregnant women have ever just felt, man, I'm round yon, you know? And it's like, we, we make it this thing, and it's like, but, but we lose the, the scandal that it was. The, the, the hopelessness, the loneliness, the brokenness, the loss, the, the fear that had to have been in Mary and in Joseph. And then you read about Joseph, and it's like, well, Joseph pondered these things because the angel appeared, and then he, hey, all right, let's go. Let's do this. And they, they hop on a donkey and they travel. Uh, the town is kind of full. They find a cute little Airbnb. It's open, you know, open concept. And we tell this story about how it's a fairy tale and it was beautiful and there were animals there and they gathered around. We've all seen the manger scenes, right? And they just gathered around and we sing songs of silent night. Holy night, all is calm. <laughs> yeah, all is bright. We, we make it to where it's almost, we take an unbelievable story, and when we tell it, when we think of it in our mind, we make it even more unbelievable. Right? We, we, we sing away in a manger, and we sing what? The stars look down where he lay, the little Lord Jesus lay down his sweet head. Right? Oh, the cattle are lowing, poor baby wakes. Hey, if a cattle is waking up my baby... We're having steak that night, you know, like, hey, we ain't putting up with it. But like, we, we sing these songs and we make it like this something that is not, go tell it on the mountain, over the hills and everywhere. It's like the sound of music. You know, it's just this beautiful fairy tale. But what happens is when we do that, we lose the seriousness of it. We lose the desperation that is in it because it says that the light broke forth into the darkness. It wasn't like this sweet little thing. It, it wasn't just like, oh, look at baby Jesus, here he comes. It, it is that the world was full of brokenness, sin, and death. And God invaded his creation to set it right. And if we tell it in the fairy tale version, then we're able to dismiss the brokenness, the hurt, the hopelessness that is in me, and I can make it about sweet six pounds, seven pounds, six pounds, seven ounce baby Jesus. I can make it all about that, this sweet little thing here. 
When no, the reason he came is because I needed a savior. Now it says like glory to God in the highest peace on earth, right? And the shepherds come and they say, Christ the Lord is, right? Christ the savior is born. Christ our Lord. We're great with Christ our savior, right? Who come and save us, be the hero in our story. But our Lord, what? You want me to submit? I know in Texas, that's something that we don't really say a lot, right? Submit, come under authority. Like, that's, that's not what we want. But when we make it about this fun thing, we lose the seriousness. We lose the desperation that I need a Savior. Jesus came onto this earth for me because I am full of sin, shame, guilt, brokenness and all of those things if not dealt with will lead to death eternally separated from the father for all of time can i encourage you today to go back and read the story matthew chapter 1 luke chapter 2 read the story and imagine what was happening in the time because it wasn't just like it came about because 700 years before in Isaiah, there was a prophet. His name was Isaiah. He wrote this book, and he tells of the, the prophecies. And he, they're in a time of immense darkness, about to be captured, handed over to the enemy. Wives and kids plundered, stolen away, exiled from their land. And God said, hey, this will be a sign for you. The virgin will become pregnant. She'll give birth to a baby. His name will be Emmanuel. God with us. This season isn't about the fun and the fairy tale and the, the frosty, the snowman and the jingle bells and the little drummer boy. It's the, it's the seriousness that I need a savior. That I am full of brokenness, of darkness, of shame and guilt. And that if it is not dealt with, then I'll be eternally separated from him. But here's the good news is there is hope in this season. This season is not a time of anticipation and preparation for a tree, for in-laws, to, for, together for presence. This is a season of hope, expectation, and longing. It's a time for us to slow down, to step back from our daily lives and see the big picture of God's plan for redemption. We stand at the threshold of his second coming. We're, we're talking about his first coming. The second coming is at some point. I don't know when. If you hear from someone and they say they know when, you might want to have them check it again because Jesus said, hey, I don't know when it is. Not even only the Father knows. So if someone says they know, you might want to go back and go, oh, okay. But, but we stand on the threshold. The second coming is coming. And we can be hopeful because he's coming back for his pure, spotless bride. His church. Where sin and shame made a barrier to God, Jesus made a way for all people. That's why the word says that I have good news of great joy for all people. He conquered death, offering himself up as reconciliation and salvation. The first thing we look for is hope because Jesus came as a light into the darkness. So we light the candles at candlelight. Service. We'll light them in a little bit. Don't get antsy if you have a lighter. Just keep it in the pocket for now. We light it because Jesus came as a light in the darkness where, where there was darkness and no hope. 
Jesus came to be that light. Sometimes we talk about hope and we confuse optimism with hope. Like optimism is like crossing my fingers, hoping that it, that it happens. You know, like, oh man, maybe this will play out. You're optimistic of, of it's going to happen. You know, UT is playing in the ne- next uh, Monday, right? Where I'm optimistic that the Longhorns are going to bring it home. I don't know if it's going to happen, but my fingers are crossed. But, but hope is not fingers crossed. Hope is a confidence in who God is. And that whatever God has said he would do, that not only is he able to do it, but he will do it. So we, we enter a season of hope. I don't know where you are. I don't know what's going on in your lives, but I can tell you what's in mine, that I need hope. That, that we've got to be, have life breathed back into us. The, the world has gone astray, and it's supposed to because it's the world. The church has gone astray. It's not supposed to. Like, the church looks like the world. But I have hope because of Jesus Christ. I'm confident in who he is and in his promises for me. Hope is like this this picture in the Greek. It's this stretched cord. Uh, Do do you have a kid? I I think the Sandlins have three of them that, that like to watch, like pull things. Like how far can I stretch this until it breaks? Sometimes that's mom and dad's patience, right? You know, some kids just want to do something until like the, the anticipation of what's about to happen. It's that, that moment of like you do something, you stretch something far enough, and then eventually it snaps. That is the birth of Jesus. That, that the world was so dark, it was stretched for so long that not only 700 years ago did God promise that, but for 400 years he didn't speak to his people. So there, there was this anticipation of this stretching and, and waiting for that moment of when it's going to happen. And that's when Jesus was born. Hope happened. Hope fills us with excitement and anticipation. But I think sometimes when we talk about hope, it's almost this like, well, I'll just sit around, right? And I, hope, I hope the Lord comes through. And we, we sit on our hands and we're like, all right, I, I'm relieved of any of my own effort or stress or my job to do anything. But look, look at Titus chapter 2, verse 11 and 12, 13. I'll read it for you. I should have probably put it up on the screen, but I did not. But Clinton's pretty good. He might get it there if I stall long enough by saying that a couple of times. <laughs> Titus chapter 2, verse 11. For the grace of God has appeared, bringing salvation for all people, instructing us to deny godlessness and worldly lust, and to live in a sensible, righteous, and godly way in this present age, while we wait for the blessed hope, the appearing of the glory of our great God and Savior, Jesus Christ. What does it look like to hope? To deny ourselves of godlessness and worldly lusts. We are so anxious for that second coming. But we can get lost in the here and now to deny ourselves of worldly lust and godlessness as we can't wait for him to hurry up and come save us. But that we can lose hope for now. We can give in to sin now. We hope because we're fully known 
by him. We, are, we know him and we are known by him. That's why you can hope. There's nothing that's, that's going on in your life that the Lord's like, man, Nate, I just didn't see that coming. I'm sorry about that. That got us both. Nope. Right? You're fully known. Everything that you're going to encounter this coming year, he already knows it. He is faithful and he is able. It, one, one of the things that we say around here quite a bit is that he's even better than you think he is. He is faithful and he is able. He is even better than you think he is. We're going to rush along. I see the kids getting anxious at school. Right. It's a time of faith. Hope is this confident anticipation of something good in the future, but faith is the source of that confidence. It is the foundation on which our hope is built. That hope looks for the promise. Hope looks to the promise. Faith looks to the promiser. That we go, man, I have complete faith that he is able to do what he said he is. Faith comes from seeing Jesus rightly and then knowing who you are in Christ. A lot of times that, that what's in opposition to faith is fear. Fear will cripple you, paralyze you, will cause you to not walk in the calling that he has for you. Faith goes, man, I... I don't know what this is going to be like, but I'm confident in who he is. And I know that he knows me. I know that he knows every, he's got every hair on my head numbered. He's not, he's not going to leave me or forsake me. Faith will pre, or fear will prevent you from walking in your purpose and destiny, but faith empowers you, enables you to walk in his promises. Doubt is in opposition to faith. Doubt is like fog. You, th these mornings kind of driving right now, it's, it's pretty foggy on some of these back roads. Our tendencies can be to speed up to get through the fog. When I say our tendencies, I mean mine. <laughs> you know, <laughs> but, but really the fog is a, a time to slow down, to pay attention, to be on guard. What, what will happen is faith, or, or that, that doubt will act like a fog where you can't see him rightly. And what happens is sometimes we want to just hurry up and get through it instead of slow down and see him in the midst of it. The other thing that's in opposition to faith is impatience. Have you ever been promised something from God and then you're like, it's taking too long, I'll just go do it right now? Impatience will cause you to settle for less than what the Lord has for you. You can still get something that you want, something that is good. But impatience will always cause you to settle for less than what God has planned for you. Faith says, delayed gratification. I trust you. I'm confident in who you are. And what you have for me is better than what I can get on my own. Last one is peace. This time when we look at that, that Jesus came into this world, Emmanuel, God with us. Why? To establish what it says, peace on earth. Glory to God. This is in Luke chapter 2, verse 14. Glory to God in the highest heaven and peace on earth. Peace is more than the absence of conflict. But peace is when God steps into creation and sets the world right. Jesus came so that we could have peace. Not world peace, but so that we could have peace with God. It's Romans chapter 5, verse 1. says that we have been justified by faith 
We have peace with God through Jesus Christ. Peace with God is possible. It's something that religion has made us think that's not possible. Religion acts like the carrot in front of the, the donkey and makes you or the horse, whatever, whatever you want to picture yourself as. I picture myself as a donkey most times, right? And it, religion just dangles it out in front of you. Have to do this, jump through this, go through this just to get it, but it's never reachable. Through Jesus Christ, we've been justified by faith and we have peace with him. Peace with him means to be continually washed by the blood of Jesus. You have the ability to have peace with God today. Nobody can take that from you. It's not of, it's not of the world. It's supernatural. If you're struggling today with peace and you're struggling like relationship with the Lord of like, man, I just struggle with this. I'm not sure where I stand with him. I'm not sure if he's happy with me or mad at me. I'm not sure. Well, I'll just break that one down. He's not mad at you. He loves you. Peace with God is possible today. Don't make the birth of Jesus into a fairy tale to where you realize, where you don't realize that you need the peace that only he has to offer. Peace with God is the greatest gift you'll ever receive. It comes by receiving the love of the Father. This world does a great job of telling you you're not loved. And it tells you all the reasons you're not loved. Right? You don't look like somebody else. You got bigger ears than somebody else. Somebody has more money than you. Somebody's prettier than you. Somebody's a better pastor than you. Right? All of these things. It's always being combated with us. But what we have to realize is that we are loved by the Father. You are loved by the Father. You are uniquely you. You were not supposed to be that other person. But what happens is that when we don't have peace with the Father, it's because we don't know that we're loved by Him unconditionally. To be unconditionally loved by the Father means that he does not withhold anything from you. To love your kids unconditionally means that you don't withhold anything from them. The same is true of our walk with him. Peace with God means walking in the confidence of our standing with God. We, are, we have been declared, if you come to him, right, confess him as Lord and Savior, you're walked with him, you're washed clean, repent of your sins. It says that you are now the righteousness of God. There's nobody can steal anything, can, can steal that from you. You are the righteousness of God. <laughs> I think probably the bigger, the bigger problem that we have, though, is we don't have peace with ourselves. We're so busy looking at other people that we begin to resent who we are. We want what everybody else has. Well, whatever everybody else has is what the Lord has for them. It's not yours. He's given you everything that you need, it says, for life and for godliness. Jesus came so that you could have peace with yourself. Don't let this Christmas season pass you by and you get caught up in a way in a manger and silent night and uh, whatever other one I dogged. I'm sorry for dogging the Christmas carols. I do love them. I like to make fun of them too, though. But don't let it pass you by without knowing that you can have peace with yourself because of him. His peace will tear down every lie. His peace will set things right. Something that, that I feel like the Lord gave me, uh, it, it says, no amount of self-improvement will make up for a lack of self-worth. Yeah. 
Peace with ourselves doesn't come by sticking to the diet. Because it ain't going to happen for me this year. <laughs> I can just tell you that. And I'm okay. No amount of self-improvement will make up for a lack of self-worth. Peace with God is possible. This season is important. Not for all the other reasons that the world wants to make it. But because in this season we can have hope, faith, and peace. And that's what he came to give us. Father, we just give you praise. We give you glory today. Father, we continue to just worship you. We give you all the praise. We give you all the glory. In your name we pray. Amen.